Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the Turn on the Jets podcast. I don't have to convince any one of those eight defensive coaches how effed up I am. These players, they want to defend... Life Stadium for you guys. Here's your host, Joe Caparosa. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Turn on the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Joe Caparoso, owner of TurnOnTheJets.com. Today, we are going to share two episodes of the 10 from our Badland season preview series. Give you a little free preview, free taste of me and Connor Rogers breaking down the New York Jets quarterback position and the New York Jets linebacker position from our subscription podcast available at turnonthejets.podbean.com. You subscribe there one time at $9.99 payment. Uh, You get the 35 episodes we've done already. Uh, You get the other eight episodes of our season preview series. Uh, You get our final predictions for this upcoming season, and you'll get all of our weekly content. Uh, So wanted to give everyone on this feed a preview of that, and obviously it's a good time for season preview content. Uh, we will, of course, continue to have weekly episodes here, breaking down everything with what happens throughout the Jets season. I will have my final prediction and season preview article live this Friday on TurnOnTheJets.com. Before we jump into sharing uh, a pair of our Badlands preview episodes, want to remind you guys that winning season returns at my bookie. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. Winning season means Survivor, Super Contests, and Squares. At my bookie, winning season means hitting all your parlays and props with your feet up, watching your team transfer their rivals. Rejoice. It's time to celebrate the NFL season. Invest in your intuition, use promo code TOJ, and double your first deposit. New players get up to 1000 in free play, designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. From live betting... To championship futures, every play you want to make is waiting at MyBookie. It's simple. Make your picks, win big, collect your cash. Use promo code TOJ and double your first deposit. Your winning season begins today, only at MyBookie. All right, we're going to jump into me and Connor breaking down the New York Jets quarterback situation and our final expectations for Sam Darnold this year, followed by us talking about the linebacker position Make sure to check out the rest of the episodes of our season preview series at turnonthejets.podbean.com. And also make sure to stay with us on this feed all season long. Subscribe, rate, review. We are available on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. Final season preview article and predictions written by me on turnonthejets.com this Friday. We've made it to football season. Uh, Looking forward to covering another year uh, with all of you. 
and uh, hopefully seeing the Jets have a little more success than they've had in recent years. Let's jump into the season preview. Today, we're going to talk about the most important position in all of sports, quarterback. No surprise to any Jet fan that Sam Darnold will be the starting quarterback heading into his third year, rounding out the potential depth chart. little up in the air at this point of training camp. We know veteran Joe Flacco was brought in. We know Adam Gase's best friend, David Fales, is floating around. Mike White's been having a good training camp, and they drafted James Morgan in the mid-rounds of the NFL draft. Connor, how many quarterbacks do you think the Jets are actually going to carry this year? How do you think that plays out? And then we could just spend the rest of the time talking Mr. Sam Darnold, the most important person in the Jets organization. Well, it's a, it's a different year, Joe. Because of the pandemic, they have negotiated the rules where – you know, obviously the practice squads are bigger, which isn't that doesn't really matter in terms of the quarterbacks. You could have 16 on the practice squad. The big thing is, is that you can protect four. So I would normally sit here and tell you, listen, the Jets are going to carry, you know, we'll, we'll see when Flacco gets right and fully healthy. But obviously, Sam Darnold, uh, Joe Flacco was signed here to be the second string quarterback. They drafted James Morgan in the fourth round where he's not going anywhere. But now you have the luxury, you know, of of putting a Mike White or putting a James Morgan on the practice squad if you feel like neither of the one of those guys cannot see game action yet early in the season and protecting them where they don't count against your main roster but you don't have to have the fear let's call it what it is fear of them getting swiped from another team so you know I wouldn't be surprised and you know I wouldn't be surprised at all if they're looking at a situation where they do carry you know, maybe three quarterbacks on the active roster. Obviously, David Fales has just hung around. It's it's remarkable. But when you look at this, you know, in a traditional year, you usually you'd like to carry only two quarterbacks on the roster. I think this Jets team will probably carry three, and then I do think they'll protect someone on the practice squad as well. Almost like a guy that they keep away from the other quarterbacks in case of an outbreak. Shifting the focus to Darnold, who is going to be the biggest determining factor in what kind of jet season this is going to be one of the most interesting players i think to read analysis of right now in the nfl not from just jet fans but just from anyone nationally anyone in the analytics community there's such a wide range of opinions and perspectives on him and what his future could look like because he's been such a hard player to evaluate through two years he had a very unique illness last year Uh, For an NFL player, missing three games with mono, tough to assess how that impacted him uh, in week one. And when he returned from that injury, he's dealt with two different coaching staffs in two years, two mediocre coaching staffs, I would say at best, and a weak supporting cast, a weaker supporting cast than his counterparts around the same age as him. He's not getting the same amount of help as Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray. Uh, The list goes on. He's had a very tough situation. That being said, there still has been unquestionably inconsistencies with his play. We've seen absolute bouts of excellence, how he played against Dallas last year, how he played against Washington last year, the final three, four game stretch in his rookie year. We've also seen some very scary performances. New England on Monday night, New England, you know, back in his rookie year, basically all his AFC East games have been a little troubling to date. Darnold finished last year, 19 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, 6.9 yards per attempt, averaged about 230 yards passing per game. Where do we need to see him make the leap? He improved from year 
you know, in year two from year one, what does the leap look like for him this year where we're coming back next year or towards the end of this year and all these little rumors and squabbling about, will will the Jets use all their picks and go up and get a quarterback? Will their new head coach, if they have one, go get a different quarterback? What does the leap look like statistically? Yeah, from a stats-based perspective, you're looking at the big number that you and I really always hammer home is yards per attempt. So he's somebody that, for his career, uh, he's at 6.9. And you want to get that number up a little bit obviously when you look at when you look at Darnold you want to get that you know you want to get that number up there's no doubt about that you want this guy to be somebody uh that not only utilizes his mobility to create plays uh you know when when everything breaks down when the play breaks down but to also push the football down the field a little bit now the flip side argument of that is well, he just lost his best receiver in deep threat in Robbie Anderson. You know, now you're hoping Brashad Perriman can help there, even though he's been a little banged up. You're hoping we get to see Denzel Mims. You're hoping that Chris Herndon can, can actually be a vertical threat as a tight end. But there are pieces, or not enough pieces, where you can expect some astronomical leap in this area. Another thing, you know, from a stats perspective that you have to look at, he played 13 games last year, 19 touchdowns, 13 picks. Well, if he played 16, if he didn't have mono and he played 16 and that number was maybe 25 and 15, we might be telling a different story about Sam Darnold. We might feel better about his ability to, you know, consistently get the Jets down the field in what I would consider a very weak offense, atrocious offensive line last year, which is unfortunately going to be a problem once again this year. I don't think a lot of people want to admit that. It will hold the team back at times this year. So for Darnold, you know, it's it's tough, right? We could sit here and go, hey, he just turned 23 this summer. You could, you could make a, a list of, I don't want to call them excuses, but reasons why he hasn't exactly flourished in his first two years. Uh, that's the size of a scroll. I mean, he's young. The coaching staffs have been bad. I think we could say that. The supporting cast has been worse. And I think for Sam, the things that are on him, the decision-making has been a problem at times. I think seeing things at the line of scrimmage, he's been behind in that area. The New England game is a pretty good example. And your coach is supposed to help you grow in that area. So Gase is going to take a lot of lumps in that area. And it's something that Sims really hammered home when we had him on the podcast is that Darnold feels ready to to command the line of scrimmage this year. And maybe having a center like Connor McGovern will help in that area as well. But, you know, an example that always sticks out in my mind is, you know, they come out against New England in, in empty, and it's pretty clear New England has not one but two free rushers often, and, and Darnold doesn't check out of the play. Now, once again, Gase needs to help him with this, but those are things that Darnold needs to see. And, no, listen, I've – one or two free rushers coming my way. I need to find who's left alone, who's open, or I got to get rid of the ball, or I got to run, things like that. Now, those are very simple things in terms of me to sit here and saying it versus doing it. I want to make that very clear. But I think when you look at Darnold, the completion percentage I was fine with last year, he's right at 62%. Um, You know, if you're not in the 50s as a young quarterback, that's a good sign. Like I said, yards you know per pass attempt, you want to get that up. The touchdowns will, I think naturally they will go up. I know the supporting cast is awful, but I think in a 16-game season this year, I think that number will go up. 
And obviously you want this football team to win, which is not a stat that is exclusive to Sam Darnold. But you want to see Sam Darnold not be putting up these numbers when the team is down 40 to 10, uh, 30 to 3, things like that. So for me, those are the numbers that are really going to be huge for Sam this year that are exclusively on him and not an impact of the position groups around him like the offensive line. Yeah, I think look, this is going to be another year where no matter what happens, there's going to be a lot of caveats when evaluating his performance because of the weird season it's going to be because of his supporting cast and because of the coaching staff. But for me, I want to see that yards per attempt up. I want to see more consistency on the decision-making and I want to see him play particularly better in the division. you got to, you have to win your division games. The last time the Jets made the playoffs was when they had a winning record in their division. It's been the same length as their playoff draft. They have to find a way uh, to win against New England, win against Buffalo, win against Miami, and Darnold will get that chance, you know, early in the year uh, when he plays against Buffalo. So, look, Darnold in my mind is always going to be the kind of player who he's going to have some turnovers. He's never going to be one of these guys who has like two interceptions in a season or something, and that's okay as long as he is generating the yards, the touchdowns, and the yards per attempt to compensate for that. So, I think this will be another year where. There's going to be a healthy – I think he will improve statistically across the board. I don't think it's going to be some slam dunk, you know, Jared Goff, a few-year leap, Mahomes-Watson type leap, but I think he will improve across the board statistically. I think there will still be some shape of a debate about if the Jets should consider a quarterback in the NFL draft because I do think there's a reasonable chance they'll be shifting coaching staffs. I think Darnold should absolutely get an opportunity with the next coaching staff, and I think he will show enough this year uh, to merit that and be the team's starting quarterback next year. And I think more weeks than not, he will be a positive out there for them. And hopefully that's enough to allow them to at least hover around 500 for most of the year. Jets' linebacking unit took a bit of a blow, actually a massive blow, when they found out that C.J. Mosley would be opting out this season after they only really got one half from him last year. Highest played player on the team, a guy who, when he is healthy, is arguably the best inside linebacker in the NFL. And unfortunately, it looks like we're not going to get all that much time of seeing him in a Jets uniform because who knows what's going to happen after this year. That leaves behind Avery Williamson, who missed all of last season, has the most experienced inside linebacker. Running alongside Williamson will likely be a collection of a lot of different players. You could have some Blake Cashman coming back in his second year after missing time as a rookie with injury. Neville Hewitt and James Burgess are guys who played a lot last year due to the injuries to Mosley and Williamson. They are still on the roster. I'm going to probably pronounce his name wrong and Connor will correct me. Patrick Onowansor signed from the Baltimore Ravens is another guy who should see a lot of playing time and someone who will likely frequently be used to try to get after the quarterback, especially with Jamal Adams now gone. When we look at the edge rusher position, same story pretty much as last year as the Jets did not go after addressing this in any significant way. They brought back Jordan Jenkins on a one-year deal. He's been a steady contributor since he's been on the team, and he's now one of the longest tenured players on the team. Terrell Bashan was good as a rotational, situational player last year. He'll be back. And the Jets used a third-round pick on Jabari Zaniga to round out the unit. Still on paper, light at the edge position. Edge position, A lot of depth and versatility at inside linebacker, but 
really missing the headliner in C.J. Mosley. And while Avery Williamson was great in 2018, he did miss a full season last year. So it could take him a few weeks to get up to speed. Connor, let's start with the group of inside linebackers. How do you think the playing time is going to shake out here? Uh, And how good is this unit going to be? It's solid, right? When you look at it, you lose C.J. Mosley. That's obviously... uh a huge hit again, but what I keep telling people as I talk about the Jets, they didn't have him last year, and <laughs> the front seven was fine. So, sure, it was exciting when we thought C.J. Mosley was going to play for the New York Jets last year, this year, all of the years. Um, hopefully, he, you know, he's not an old guy, so hopefully next year he is a big boost to the defense as that contract continues to kick down the road. Now, when you look at this group, it's you know it's a lot of untapped potential so far. So we'll start with the guys that really aren't in that regard. Jordan Jenkins, kind of know what he is, and he's a good player for a third round pick. I think you know he's done a good job. He's a great edge setting run defender. He I mean this has been like kind of the the defense previews have always had like a bit of a throwback. You know Fadakasi and Snacks. Jordan Jenkins is kind of Cal Pace light on is really what he is. Uh, work hard for effort sack kind of player. And there's nothing wrong with that when that's your number two pass rusher. The problem is Jordan Jenkins always seems to be the Jets number one and only edge pass rusher. So good run defender, very strong on the outside, a hard nosed player who'll get his sacks. You know, it's just when you look at it, you kind of know what he is. Do I think he's ever going to develop into this 14 sack player? No. Do I think he's going to bottom out and be, you know, start to regress. Not really. He just kind of just what he is. He's going to hover around seven sacks every year and good run defense. And and that's a good player to have in your defense. But there's a reason, Joe, why this guy hit the market and didn't find really anything he liked and had to come back to the Jets on like a one-year $4 million deal. It's almost borderline disrespectful. So I think when you look at it, He's a good player to have here. Now, when you get on some of the, you know, once again, another player that we do know about, Avery Williamson at inside linebacker, good speed. We'll see how he comes back from injury, but good speed, uh, good awareness. He looks like he's in great shape. I expect him to actually be, you know, even quicker this year. I know he's coming back from injury, but he's been healthy for a while now. He's been working hard. Uh, I know that they're easing him back in. Connor Hughes has said he hasn't been working with the starters. I think he's going to work with the starters. I think it's just been a rotational thing. Now you get into some of the untapped potential guys. You know, you have a Blake Cashman who, what you love about Blake Cashman is uh, he's really fast and he's usually the first one to the football. What you do not like about Blake Cashman is he almost never makes the tackle when he gets there. That's a huge issue. And what else you don't like is, Going back to Minnesota, three shoulder surgeries, is that going to get better in pro football? Often history tells us it will not. So I like Blake Cashman. I hope he could stay healthy. But I remember when I talked to a bunch of executives after that pick was made, the feedback I got was, hey, this is a, you know, a really good special teams kind of guy where he won't have the wear and tear of you know, a million snaps a game on defense. He's a special teams player, a good leader, great speed to cover kickoffs and punts and make those tackles or be one of the first guys there. But he seems to be, you know, being asked to play a meaningful role on the defense. And I I think he's a good player when healthy. You hope to see, you know, that speed translate to coverage, but you just are always going to have those question marks about health. 
Uh, Terrell Basham has quietly resurrected his career with the Jets after kind of being a little bit of a Colts bust in a sense. Now, by no means does is that saying you want him starting uh, as an edge pass rusher for you, but you know, former third round pick for the Colts and. He's generated some pressures. I know he only had two sacks last year, but he's generated pressures at times. He's looked a little better playing off the ball than anybody ever expected. And I think the Jets, I think he's going to play a lot this year. Now, once again, he's probably a guy that you want on that second column of your depth chart. You want him to be a backup. I don't even really know if you want him to be that third rotational rusher. The Jets are just so thin here. That's what he what he is. He's a starter for a team that just has not doesn't have much at the position. Zuniga, if you listen to the Sim show, Sims loved Zuniga. Uh, I like what Zuniga did in 2018. Obviously, in 2019, he got hurt after three games. He is pretty explosive. He's not particularly my kind of edge pass rusher. I think he actually projects a little better working more as a hand in the dirt pass rusher than a stand-up edge guy, but maybe the Jets will transform him here. So it's an interesting group. You know, when you look at uh, Peanut that they brought over from the Ravens and his last name, the I've seen a lot of different pronunciations. I've seen uh, on Wassar, I've seen uh, on Wasso, uh, and then I've heard, you know, I've seen a lot of different things, but let's just call him Peanut. He's, he's hurt now for the next four to five weeks, so we might not see him till October. And that's, you know, obviously a big blow. They signed a ton of backups in this group that we are familiar with. Neville Hewitt, James Burgess. Uh, they have Harvey Lange. It's honestly just this motley crew of players where I don't really think there's going to be a lot of games where you go, oh, God, the linebackers were horrible today. I just don't think there'll be a lot of games where you go, wow, the linebackers are really good today. They just kind of exist. And... Without C.J. Mosley, it's it's kind of just this mediocre, average, fine group in the middle and a very, very underwhelming group at Edge Pass Rush, which will drive me insane until the end of time. It is kind of wild that we're doing this preview, and here we are again talking about Harvey Langeye, Frankie Louvu, Terrell Vasham, like even Jenkins again. It's like... I mean, Joe... Let me put it in perspective for people right now. I am 28. Uh, I've been at Bleacher Report for over six years, and I've been really, you know, doing national media. When I started working with you, I was a, I just finished up my sophomore year in college, and we were talking about, I believe, Quentin Copels. And why did they take Quinton Copels instead of Melvin Ingram? Because they need an edge pass rush. That is the 2012 NFL draft. We are talking about this eight years later. It is actually like fundamentally unbelievable because that's 100% accurate. I remember spending that entire draft talking a lot about Melvin Ingram, a little about Courtney Upshaw, but again, that they had to get an edge rusher. And instead they go with Copels. And it's like, well, are they going to try to make him an edge rusher, which they did, and it was an unmitigated disaster. And it's just, you know, they've had these little spurts of like weird solutions where you had like Aaron Maven had a random like okay season. And then, you know, Pace hung on for one year longer, but every year. And I think I don't, it wasn't this past year. I uh, believe it was more two years ago, McCagnon's last offseason. There was a hell of an edge class out there. And the Jets, they just didn't partake, right? No, no Darius Smith, no Preston Smith. They tried to make the play for Barr and get him to switch positions. We know what happened there. And it's just the same cast of characters. And it's a thin group. 
every positional group is going to sustain injuries and that's going to leave you exposed some weeks where you just put too much pressure on other parts of your defense. I, you know, as of the recording of this, they haven't made any additions. Jet fans have been asking incessantly about you, Davion Clowney. I don't think it's going to happen. I haven't got any indication that they're going to make that type of move at this point. So this is going to kind of be the group. And I would think and hope that next off season, when they have a lot of draft pick flexibility and a lot of cap flexibility. And again, we've said this a million times before that edge rusher, along with offensive line and wide receiver are going to be right at the top of the list on where you have to make additions because I like Jenkins, but you described the best. He was on the open market and he could not get a bite for anything more than a one year, $4 million deal. And that's because I mean this politely, like he's a Jag, he's a Jag. He's just a guy. Like he's a good, he's a high energy player. He sets the edge well. He's a good fit on their defense, but there's a lot of guys out there like that. And that's why the Jets still need to do more here. And even an inside linebacker without Mosley and with Williamson coming back from an injury, like this group could also be pretty shaky as well. So we'll see. Make sure that you stay with us here on the Turn on the Jets podcast feed. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Jay Caparoso. You go subscribe right now at turnthejets.podbean.com to get 10 straight episodes of season preview content. And uh, football is just about back. So thank you, everybody, for listening, and we will talk to you soon.